two legendary monsters duke it out and a new threat arises who will fall it's godzilla versus kong Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, Alex, we are conquering Godzilla vs. Kong. Mm. It feels like our show's kind of been building up to this point since it the does. beginning, Alex. This this movie has been on the horizon <laughs> since we started the show a year yeah. and a half ago. Yeah, I mean, this movie, needless to say, had a lot of expectations, probably from us a little bit, and definitely from general audience, or our fandom. Uh, Yeah, it's exciting to be here, and I'll go ahead and say that I called this online a long time ago when everyone was saying, I said, yes, neither one of them will die. You know that, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. No, this has been a long time coming. Um, I'm excited to get into it. We've had a lot of content over the last uh, week or so, and we'll have more content coming uh, as as we continue talking about Godzilla versus Kong. It's all anybody really wants to talk about right now, so I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime I can cut, talk about these monsters, because this will be the last time for a while. So Yeah, exactly. No, this is this is true. I mean, well, we'll have a singular point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but, yeah, after that, we don't have anything on the horizon. I guess the King Kong anime will probably cover as well. Yeah, but that'll, that's probably a year out, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. So let's go ahead and jump on in. Uh, Alex, you want to start us off with the film introduction this week? Yeah, let's. The long-awaited fourth installment of the MonsterVerse arrives, Godzilla vs. Kong. Directed by Adam Wingard, GVK asks its audience to embrace its monsters as the main characters and as the heart of the film. But does this do enough to bring the emotional impact, and does it even need to? In other words, does Lizard vs. Ape leave your tear ducts in shape? My, my tear ducts are certainly welled up, Alex, but I'm thinking that was due to allergies more than anything mm, else. But yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, I didn't feel too much emotion in this film, but I don't think that's the point, right, at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally speaking, a year and a half ago, if you would have asked me if I would have liked this film, I might not have liked it. Uh, <laughs> but I think over the past year and a half, I've grown an appreciation more and more for just this type of film. Now, I think the big screen IMAX theater that we went to um, with, honestly, there were probably as many people in that theater as possible with, with COVID seating. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you had the cheers, you had the reactions that you would expect from this big versus type movie. But what I think you have to decide for yourself with a film like this one is whether or not you can get on board with that fun. I think this film is certainly self-aware, but whether you're okay with that self-awareness may be another question. There are a couple moments I think really demonstrate that self-awareness and even throw back to the original King Kong versus Godzilla. Though uh, I wouldn't say that this film has that satirical comedic and biting element 
of its predecessor. Um, it has a couple moments that I appreciated that seem like throwbacks to the original. There's that moment after Godzilla attacks Apex in the beginning where the edit jump cuts straight from Godzilla's roar to the CNN newsreel broadcast. And with the, the use of the jump cut and the sound editing, they just started to kind of blend together. <laughs> and I think it was this little nod that was certainly, certainly purposeful uh, to this sort of reactionary news cycle world that we live in, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, Godzilla has saved us before, but now we're just going to turn our backs on Godzilla um, without yeah. really fully understanding the situation. D- yeah, right? didn't it's, even it's try to understand. Yeah, <laughs> But then there's another point where, and this is one that may rub people more the wrong sort of way, where, where Bernie walks into the Mecha Godzilla chamber uh, they don't know it's the Mecha Godzilla chamber yet, and then he, you know, shouts and startles um, the other two, and then he remarks, "It's just so big, it's so stupid." <laughs> <laughs> Some may like that self awareness, you know, like this is just so it is stupid in a sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's kind of the point. Um, but you know, I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Did you think this film was self aware, and did you appreciate that aspect? Yeah, I mean, I think there's. I don't think there's any doubt that this film knows what it is and what it wants to be. And it sticks to it. It doesn't try to be too dark. It doesn't try to be completely hilarious. It doesn't try to be a complete slapstick comedy. I think Wingard manages to, he manages this tonal balance throughout the entirety of the film that so much so that no moment really feels totally out of place for me. If you compare this to something like, uh, if you go back to King of the Monsters, then sure, there's a pretty sizable tonal shift that could be off-putting to people expecting this to be an extension of that movie. And while, yes, some narrative elements do carry over, this is its own, uh, pardon the pun, beast. There <laughs> is plenty of self-awareness in this film uh, as well. Like, But I find that a film that knows what it wants to be needs to establish mm-hmm. that tone immediately. And the opening moment of this film, <laughs> Kong doing what a lot of people are calling the opening to Shrek, itching oh, yeah. his butt, taking a shower. Uh, and, but then we also, with those lighthearted moments, see him throw a tree into this artificial world that kind of like levels our expectations a little bit. Where we're, We thought we knew what we were getting, but we're, we're going to be throwing a few little curveballs, which is what, I like that they lay out what to expect in such a short period of time. Now, then immediately after this moment, we are introduced to Bernie Hayes, who is like, Mm -hmm. for me, he's just excellent. I've seen complaints about the character. And honestly, I don't really agree with any of them. And he establishes this like nutty and over the top nature that is present in his character and the film. Yeah, no. Yeah, I I agree with you completely about Bernie, and I'm sure I'll talk about that here in just a second. But one point of contention does seem to be this human character element. Um, And I find this discourse pretty interesting. There's some pretty one-sided and shallow characters, you know, Maya Simmons. Mm. um, I think her dad, I guess Dr. Simmons. um, Yeah, I, I, I don't think their motivations are fully fleshed out. And then I think, of course, the biggest disappointment is Ren Sarazawa, I mean, we might as well not have him be named Ren Sarazawa, right? right? But despite those side characters, I do like the main ones. There's a balance to them that is part of that balance of tone that you mentioned. Um, 
And there's a balance to them and the screen time they get and the action that transpires around them. I actually really like Bernie and Madison in particular. And I even find Nathan Lin's character to have an arc to him as he learns to admire Kong more and more. But back to Bernie and Madison. I find the relationship to be quite endearing, honestly. Bernie, to me, is this easily dismissible character. And if you take a look at people's reactions to him online, I think they are dismissing him to an extent. I agree. And when we dismiss characters like Bernie, I think we miss the point. And that's exactly what Madison doesn't do. And she, she recognizes this. She provides him someone that he can trust. And in turn, they both get what they want. I wouldn't say that Madison uses him, um, but she knows how to hear him out. Right, Bernie throws out these conspiracy theories all over the place. Another criticism of the film, but I've known I've known people like this. Right, mm-hmm. there are people like this that buy into all these sorts of con- conspiracy theories, and lots of the times I don't buy a word of what they're selling, and they don't either. Right, and I don't think <laughs> Bernie all the time buys a word of what he's selling. Um, <laughs> well, we but, see that with the moment where he talks about the GMOs, GMOs, right? exactly. And then he's right. eating that apple just a few seconds exactly, later. Exactly, exactly. He's built up his walls for his own reasons. And the more he's dismissed, the deeper he will dive. And I think this is why Madison is drawn to him, right? She's seen the world dismiss her mother. She's seen the world dismiss Godzilla. And here's another character that could be easily dismissed. But she refuses to do that. Um, yeah, of course, there are some issues as it progresses, as the film progresses. There are some plot points that seemed almost just rushed over, of course. Um, but I find their relationship to be one of the human aspects that I really enjoyed in this film. Yeah, uh, and that feels almost like a contra- – it, it does feel like a very controversial thing to say, but I, I'm, I couldn't have said it better myself. I completely agree with you. I mean, Bernie is this character who's lost the love of his life, his wife, and – it's led him to dive into something that a lot of people would deem to be crazy. But when people lose someone, they often will turn to something and devote themselves to it, whether it's you know, fitness, uh, conspiracy theories, TV. It, yeah. It's a very common thing. And, it, and the, the, best, the best part about it, Bernie ends up being right. <laughs> All right. We, I don't know if that's the best part about which, it. Yeah. No, it is. It's, he, great. it's almost like the he, validation. He knew, some, he knew something was up, right? He knew something was up for sure. Yeah, I, I like that. He's like he's like, he is surprised by what happens, but not completely yeah. surprised by what happens. <laughs> exactly. And like he has these small oversights about like even the elevator door when he goes right. just to find the eye, and then it's not there. Yeah. I, I just I really like Bernie and um. We just can't ignore that he's just completely endearing. Uh, and I, I know a lot of people are, are surprised to see this completely different Madison, right? And I actually see this as a welcome change in evolution for her character. Mm-hmm. She's not in this bunker anymore, uh, waiting for Mothra to come out, waiting for the world to be destroyed. Now she has friends. Yeah, uh, She's invested into the weird because why wouldn't she be? After the last movie, like, yeah, why wouldn't she have also, why wouldn't she have trust issues? You know, yeah, yeah, she's going to have some issues for sure. Yeah. I mean, she was in the, she was in the middle of a giant conspiracy last movie Mm -hmm. and her personality is really beginning to shine in this film. We didn't really get a lot of Madison in the last film in terms of really seeing her entire personality. Now she's grown up a bit and we see who she is. She has this confidence of someone who's 
partially responsible for saving the world in the previous film. <laughs> now, we do have these other standout characters as well, uh, Gia and Kong being two of them. Their relationship is like this driver for the movie. It, it, it really, without their relationship, this movie would be a lot less interesting. Cool thing about it is like a lot of their relationship is just kind of hinted at. She was the only person that Kong saved on the island when it was wiped out by the storm. And Kong is like the last remnant of her island. So there's this really deep connection between the two, which makes Kong very relatable to us. Like someone, and what I really like about it is Nathan Lind. Uh, He seems scummy at first, but we see his character pretty quickly progress. But we actually, as an audience, especially us uh, Team Godzilla fans, we, we develop a lot like Nathan does. We see The more we see of Kong, the more we like him, the more we understand him. When we see sign language, he's even elevated even more as this almost human-like figure. And I think even the most radical of Godzilla fans began to find Kong endearing. Now, this is a major point for a movie mm-hmm. where one monster outclasses another in terms of abilities. I don't think there's any argument between... Godzilla having more powers or cooler powers than Kong, right? right? So this makes us root for the underdog, which is always fun. And then her relationship with Dr. Andrews, uh, Gia's relationship with Dr. Andrews, that is, is completely honest. I really like how much how much honesty is between them two, except for this one little secret <laughs> that Gia has between her and Kong. But that is like this promise between the two. And it shows Gia's integrity. But Andrews doesn't get mad at her. She shows a lot of trust in her, and she completely understands. Mm. She doesn't lie to Gia about Kong's potential family down no. in the in the Hollow Earth. She just yeah. says that it's possible, and she doesn't know, which is not a lie. And honestly, it's almost probable. But yeah. she doesn't put Gia in that position of lying, which I really liked. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like I I did appreciate that about her, the respect that she gave Gia. I, I don't know if I think Gia is a great character. I think she's excellently excellently portrayed. Um, but I don't know if she's a great character or more of just a great reflection of Kong, helping to build Kong's character. But on the flip side of that, uh, one of the main critiques I do have of this film is the characterization of Godzilla. It's not because I don't like Godzilla being portrayed as a villain, because here he clearly is the antagonist of this film. But it's because he doesn't seem to quite fit into the monsterverse as it has been established. He feels very angry here. Um, And honestly, he comes across a couple times as a bully. Uh, This could have been explained, right, by spending more time exploring Godzilla's natural instincts Um, you know, alpha male predator type of thing, or even portraying Kong as a little bit less of a victim because he does kind of come across as the victim for most of this film. Mm -hmm. Godzilla just shows up as the villain of the film, even if we understand his tendencies. Like even his design, if you notice, is just darker in tone and it's heavier on the animalistic qualities of him as a creature. Mm -hmm. Now, this is Kong's movie. For better or for worse, it really is a Kong movie, in my opinion. The film starts and ends with Kong. And I think the story of Kong as a character is one in which he's trying to figure out his place. Um, He starts off uh, a little bit unsure of who he can consider his family, unsure of where home is. And he ends up finding his home in uh, 
hollow earth. You know, whether it's the little looks that he gives to Gia or others, or uh, it's, you know, some of the actions that he does in, in fighting against Godzilla, he finally does learn his place, which is underneath the foot of Godzilla, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 isn't it though? Uh, actually, I completely disagree with you on the Godzilla point. For me, this makes sense from what we've seen in the previous two movies. The only hmm. difference is in those films, we could physically see what he was going after. You know, he had this visible target. You know, Godzilla in Godzilla 2014, he destroyed San Francisco and I forgot what part, but a part of Hawaii in pursuit of the Mutos. He had no qualms of killing all these people. Right. And King of the Monsters, he destroyed Boston in pursuit of Ghidorah. In this film, he destroys Pensacola and Hong Kong. But this time, it's because of an unseen threat. Now, he's never cared uh, about what he kills. Like He's been wiping out people for all these movies. And he's always brought these other apex predators to heal. Honestly, though, like, the only reason I think anyone perceives... Because you're not the first person to say this. Perceives Godzilla as a bully in this one is because Kong is given so much character. Like he's the first monster that we've seen that we kind of identify with in a little in a in a way. Now Godzilla, however, is a hundred percent in line with what we've come to expect with him so far in the franchise. Yes, he looks a bit meaner, and his motives of being number one are still present. And if you think about it. He actually took it a lot easier on Kong than he did his other foes. <laughs> Plus, we see an interesting bit of depth to the creature after the Godzilla and Kong team up against Mechagodzilla. Now, there's some sort of understanding between him and Kong that is kind of left up to interpretation, I think. Is the final roar a truce? Is Kong mm-hmm. resigning? Is it a final warning for Godzilla? Before Kong yeah. resides. So I'm not sure, but I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I disagree a little bit. I, I think the other films, whenever Godzilla is attacking, like there's enough time given to explaining why he's attacking and, and giving him a little bit more sympathy than than we see here. Yeah. But, well, I think that's because we don't know, right? Again, it's that... Godzilla has a target. We don't need yeah. even an explanation to see why he's going after these monsters. But in this right. one, it's what's he doing? And it's not yeah. until the big yeah. Mecha G reveal do we see what his target is. Yeah, I maybe it's just I don't love the like I have to be number one sort of mentality just because we're <laughs> to be fair, we're going, it's, an, like, it's an animal mentality. You're, yeah, but you're going against like uh I don't know. I the the city attacks make sense, right? In a sense to me, but like the attack on the the carrier, it's just like unprovoked. I don't know. It was, it's a little. It makes him more antagonistic for sure. And again, it's because the film has built that sympathy towards Kong. You know, I watched this film with Theo, and Theo was asking. He's like, "Wait, so Godzilla's a bad guy?" I'm like, "Well, no, but." You see, here's what he's trying. I had to like explain it to him, right? And, and kind yeah. of give him this whole explanation because it wasn't quite apparent to him just by watching the film, right? Um, but it is, it's again, it's a minor gripe. Uh, kind of like I have a minor gripe with the music as well. Uh, it's more of an atmospheric approach in this one, mm. um, which I get. I understand why. But ultimately, it doesn't leave me 
very satisfied, uh, a little underwhelmed, I think. Um, and, you know, when it comes to the messaging and potential meaning of this film, I don't think there's a ton here, but I do think there's one idea that Apex presents that's an interesting one. And it's the question that, uh, you know, the, the main bad guy, uh, what's his name? Dr. Simmons, <laughs> Walter Simmons, Apex CEO. Yeah, yeah. Walter yeah. Simmons, he brings up this point, right? He says, does uh, humanity need to be the apex of the world, right? Uh, the alpha monster amongst the Titans. We've already seen Godzilla wanting to be this alpha, but will humanity be this alpha? Now, Adam Wingard uh, has recently been quoted as saying that people are ready for even fewer humans in these monster verse films. And I find this idea to actually be pretty interesting. On the one hand, I've always considered the human elements of these films and these stories to be largely overlooked. We certainly have a great, you can certainly have a great human story as well as giant monster action. But on the other hand, I do wonder if it would be possible in a visual way to tell the story almost like a silent film sort of perspective where the audience really relies on those visual cues to form emotional connections to the monsters. Because mm. I definitely felt that connection here to Kong. And I wanted Kong's success more than anyone else in the film. And this film, through its antagonist, seems to, to make hum- wants to make humanity the center of existence. And this plays with that idea, right? It's like, oh, you think humans should be the center of the story? Well, how about this? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gives you a, a film that is centered more on the monsters than the human. Yeah. So, real quick about the music. I'm a huge fan of the music, actually. Really? Uh, hmm. Now, I don't think listening to it as a standalone soundtrack may be the best. But I actually think the effectiveness in the film, for me, is pretty top tier. Like, that... that uh. The Tasman Sea track is really great. I think the Hong Kong track is really great as well. But I really like you know, Junkie XL's tracks, though. And yeah. I don't one, one thing. Yeah, one thing though. I think maybe in out. This was watching it the second time, and I, I thought this was an issue in the theater. But I was like, it's probably just my hearing is bad. And then I watched it again the second time, and I think the sound mixing is a little off. At it, parts of this film, it is where I can't hear the dialogue. Like I, can't, no. I couldn't hear the dialogue. You're, you're, it's and, not your hearing. It's not your hearing. Uh, and there's a lot of Bernie a lines. Thing. Yeah, it's like the Bernie lines uh, towards the beginning of the film. I, I can't understand what he's saying. Yep. Uh, and so, like the uh, and it's it's because it's not loud enough. <laughs> Honestly, no, you're you're uh, right. There are sound mixing problems, especially with Bernie's tracks in a lot absolutely. of parts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Continue. <laughs> yeah. But no. Yeah. But you're right. Um. And uh. And, and back to your other point, or I guess message. I love the idea of humanity having to be number one over Godzilla and doing anything, even creating this sort of unholy alliance with a Ghidorah brain. Mm-hmm. I, I think that humanity may even have been number one if they hadn't, you know, used a Ghidorah brain that Godzilla was probably attracted to. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that that's the, that is the signal that is luring him over. And, when, you know, whenever it was being emitted. Now, as for your question of should humans be the center of the story going forward, I say if the story calls for it, sure. But 
they've proven that they can make a monster emotive enough for me to care about. Even mm-hmm. Godzilla had just enough uh, kind of emotion or actions for me yeah. to understand in the final battle what he was thinking and why he was doing what he was doing. Now, there's all kinds of movies with minimal dialogue. Uh, the Hollow Earth in particular could be like this interesting kind of perfect setting for this sad visual journey as Kong searches for a potential family. Hmm. It really could be awesome. Now, while we often hear the argument about whether the humans matter in a kaiju film or not, the real question I think should be, does character matter in a kaiju film or not? Because if you can make great monsters with emotions, then no, you don't need humans. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right, Alex. And we haven't even talked about Mecha Godzilla yet or the action, but I yes. feel like we need to keep on going. Maybe we'll get to that in, in our awards a little bit. Yeah. yeah <laughs> well, we will. real quick, uh, MVM Plus announcement. Uh, today, we have a special MVM Plus over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. It's early access to a conversation I had with um, movie critic, uh, filmmaker Chris Stewartson about his one out of five star review of this film. As you can tell from our conversation so far, we are not one out of five stars <laughs> for this film. And in our conversation with, in my conversation with Chris, we get into a bit of everything. And it, honestly, I just think Alex was grateful not to have to listen to two pretentious film nerds go back and forth about this movie. Yeah, my eyes <laughs> would never have stopped rolling. I was like. <laughs> probably probably not but honestly it's it's a good conversation um i I give a little bit of pushback but primarily i let i let chris kind of give his perspective on on this film so i think you would definitely be interested in that conversation um but real quick one thing i wanted to do in this episode is i wanted to read a bit of a reaction from kyori toshi um on our reaction episode she sent me a great reaction um, but it was just a little long for that quick take. So I wanted to get into this a little bit and get some of your thoughts because she had some very interesting thoughts about the the meaning and messages in this film that I really didn't think about. Hmm. So she sent me an English translation of an article that she was working on uh, for the Uchusen magazine. Um, she watched this film with her, uh, you know, toku loving group. I think it's Kaijo, Kaijo, Kaijo. Oh, we'll say yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they all liked it. But he, but here's an excerpt of what she had to say. She said this film did have a couple of good messages that brute force and force and power only get you so far because there's always going to be someone tougher, bigger, and better. Brains, teamwork, compassion, understanding, and working together for the benefit of all will always get better results. I found it interesting that an ethical question is raised. Is it really a bad thing that humanity is developing a weapon to defend itself against an unpredictable and destructive protector like Godzilla? In this case, it is, since Walter Simmons is basically just using Mechagodzilla as a stand-in to establish himself as the alpha. But a Mechagodzilla isn't necessarily a bad thing. Again, it's not a question of power, it's how it's used and what for. Kind of going back to King of the Monsters. Mm, Yes. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I love because that. that's that's the, that is the thing um, for me that is interesting about that plot line. That again, I I think that plot line could have been developed further. Maybe as Bernie said, we needed to hear uh, Simmons finish his speech. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that entire scenario could be really interesting there because uh, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, I think you probably should have something to defend yourself. Um, but how it's used is another story. Yeah, um, I mean, this, that, that, like she like she said, this is going back to King of the Monsters. That's almost this whole nuclear bomb argument for King of the Monsters. Like, yeah. Oh, they it's pro nuclear bomb. It's like no, it's a tool. Just like make right. a G could be a tool for good or bad. It could be a, a tool for defense or a tool for destruction. And mm-hmm. in King of the Monsters, it's used as a tool for life. It actually yeah. creates life. And it's so you could look at it as a pro nuclear message if you really wanted to dig into it that far. I think uh-huh. this question of Mecca G is very similar and I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, and she, she follows up by giving her uh, kind of overall take of the film. She says, if you're fine with anime physics and Toho science, you'll have no issues with this film. But some of those issues might stretch the suspension of disbelief of even the most accepting person. (laughs) Thankfully, the film's pace keeps viewers from dwelling too much on these issues. Overall, a solid wrap-up of the MonsterVerse, or is it? And probably the best giant monster fight we're ever likely to see. In my estimation, it's just a notch below King of the Monsters, mainly because of that Rodan scene and the presence of King Ghidorah. But that might change with repeated viewings. I can't see myself doing anything but appreciating it more. Ooh. Nice That's thoughts awesome. from Kyoitoshi. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, yeah. Hey, you you got to suspend that disbelief here. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> hey, you know who else was actually excited to share his thoughts about this film, Alex? The, yeah, uh, you won't believe it, but it's a return of the theometer. Welcome back to Theometer this week. This week, we are back. And we have a very special episode, a very special theometer, because we didn't just watch a part of Godzilla vs. Kong. We watched the, the whole, whole thing, movie. the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. So first question, Theo, were you Team Godzilla or Team Kong? Probably, te- probably Team Kong. Team Kong? Why? Just because I don't know why, but he just like, seemed cool at the beginning. He seemed cool at the beginning of the movie? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to like about Kong at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you said you what, gave, wanted to give this movie a ranking or a rating. What would you rate this movie? I would rate it probably like, like a 1,000 out of 10. 1,000 out of 10. It was that good? Yeah. Wow. Wow. What was your What was your favorite part of the movie? Probably when um, Godzilla and King Kong were teaming up and being muggy Godzilla. Whenever they teamed up. Uh-huh. Did you like that part when the atomic breath, when uh, Godzilla did the atomic breath to the axe? Uh-huh. And, I then... did, and like the axe reflected it to like Mug Godzilla kind of like that. Uh-huh. And then, that was very cool. That was really cool. Um, were there any parts that surprised you? Any parts that you didn't like in the movie? There were no parts I did not like in the movie. Mm-hmm. But probably pretty much in every movie, the worst part is the credits at the end. The cre- <laughs> yeah, so the credits at the end were the worst part. Yeah. I understand. Um, who is scarier, King Kong or Godzilla? I don't know. Who was your favorite human character? Probably, probably that like that little girl. Gia? Yeah. Huh? She, she was cool. Who did sign uh-huh. language? Uh-huh. Yeah, she was like friends with Kong. She wasn't scared of him. Yeah. Was she? That was cool. Uh, anything else? Any other final thoughts about the movie? Um, Should people go see this movie? Probably. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should they watch it on the TV or go to the movie theater? What do you think? I think it would be better if you go to the movie theater. That'd be fun, wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Well, this has been another Fimonder this week. All right, here we go, Alex, into our awards. Coolest character award. You start us off. All right. My coolest character award goes to Dr. Nathan Lind. Someone I didn't expect to put choice. on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not someone not someone I expected to put on here. Uh, even as I started to write everything up. <laughs> <clears throat> but he's one of the few characters that have a kind of like a complete arc almost. Yeah. You know, he's this hermit in his basement wrecked by guilt of the killing of his, by accidentally killing his brother during a mission. Uh, he is just doing it to rectify that. And then he turns, he comes around on Kong after he sees him sign language which would yeah. do it for would actually would do it for a lot of people I think that's that yeah, he also you see seems that thinking yeah he also seems just to admire the the brute strength of Kong after a while um, yeah. and what Kong is capable of it's really impressive yeah and, and, and he's he's smart he's the only reason Kong comes back if you don't he he, he jump starts Kong yeah no I liked him yeah for sure for me uh, we've talked about it already but the coolest character is Kong mm-hmm. himself. I mean, yes. <laughs> come on. The battle yes. axe. I mean, we saw it in the trailer, but the battle axe that Kong gets in, <laughs> I guess, his throne room in Hollow Earth. It's yeah. just absolutely epic. Like, what a great addition to that character that easily works, <laughs> you know, as a perfect... Just, I, I, I do like the mystery <laughs> of Hollow Earth, honestly. I like the mystery of Hollow Earth. It's I think so there's cool. some potential there. Um Maybe maybe it'll get into it if we get more MonsterVerse films. Maybe uh, we'll get into some Hollow Earth theory here. I really hope so, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so much potential there. What about your uh, most memorable line award? So mine was another moment of self awareness that again made me think about uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and I mentioned this in our reaction episode. But it's Dr. Nathan Lin's line. And this line probably would have rubbed me the wrong way again, I think. Like, <laughs> even even a year ago, it would have rubbed me the wrong way. And it says, <laughs> looks like round two goes to Kong, right? Looks like round two goes to Kong. After Kong kind of gets the best of, of Godzilla uh, at first in Hong Kong, right? It's it's so silly, but it it's silly. also just it's also just what somebody would say <laughs> in that moment. Um, yeah. In, in a sort of like joking sort of way. It's like um, King, King of the Monsters was campy, right? But it was campy in this way that wasn't as, as self-aware. This movie is campy in a way that is self-aware. And it's kind of like, what do you prefer, right? Which do you prefer? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like this approach a little bit where it harkens back again to a conversation from King Kong versus Godzilla 1962, where they're talking about, you know, who's going to win this bout of the century. And it's like this big production. That's what this line is to me, right? Is it's who's going to win this, this fight of the century. It's silly because it's what the audience is, are thinking right at that moment. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And so I I kind of like that line. I really did. Yeah. I think this film, from the way you're talking about it, hit the camp note the way that you've been looking for from some of the films that you felt didn't hit it right for you. Yeah, it's it's a weird balance, right? It's either like 
you kind of have to go all in one way or the other. So yeah. camp is just a tricky thing to deal <laughs> with. But what about you, man? Most memorable line award? Uh, mine is actually when Kong signed home. Mm. Uh, mm. It's, it's a very memorable moment. It's like the whole audience is like, oh, <laughs> he's even smarter than we thought. And then the entire boat has the exact same reaction. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After seeing it, I think it's just a really cool moment, and it is probably the moment that it makes the audience care about Kong more just than they would have expected. Kong. I know. I know. <laughs> what about you? Can't believe that acting award. Uh, mine's got to go to. I want to give it to Gia. Uh, I think. I think her. I, I'm blanking on the actress's name. Why am it I blanking? I will tell you. Oh, oh, Kaylee Hottle. Hottle. Yeah. Yeah, Hoddle. I think she does a great job. Like she doesn't really have to act a whole lot, but in terms of uh, range, she kind of stays a little sad the whole time. But actually, her interactions with Rebecca Hall's character, uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Andrews, and her interactions with Kong actually does kind of show her range. Now that I've said it, she shows like this smarmy. I'm <laughs> I'm very perceptive range with uh dr andrews when she's able to tell that she's lying and that type of thing and like a little light-hearted exchange between the two but then we see her having this compassion and sadness for kong and just her overall presence is just awesome and then also there's the moment where she realizes uh godzilla's coming before anybody else Mm -hmm. which is just it's awesome but it's also kind of like Sad because she can't warn anybody except for yeah. Dr. Andrews. Yeah. No, no. She's great casting. Great casting there. Honestly, um, she did a fantastic job. I, I'm not sold on on. I, it, lots of people love her. Uh, I, I don't think she's necessarily as great a character um, as as people make her out to be. Maybe um, just because I, she doesn't. She's more, in my opinion, she's more of a reflection. She just builds up that feeling for Kong more than anything. But I, I do like her performance. I'm glad she's in this movie. Absolutely. I, I like that moment between her and um, Nathan. You know, the coward oh, the moment coward. at the end. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, there's actually this weird editing mistake that made it into the film somehow. That is my Can't Believe That Acting Award. And it's from uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Is that is that how you say her name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown. Uh, I was making sure I was getting that name in correct order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's this moment they're they're eating uh, at that restaurant with Bernie, and Bernie starts to go off on uh, a tangent, and he slams the table. Right, he slams the table, and yeah. there's this cut where if you just see it real quick, it's like a split second, like. 0.3 seconds of footage. She was not expecting him to like slam his hand down on the table. Yeah. And she laughs and she laughs, <laughs> but she's not laughing in the scene. Right. It was the actor right. reacting. And yet it was left in the film. Right. Like it was so quick, but I noticed that both times I watched it, uh, it just made me, it makes me laugh a little bit that that got past the screeners. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I- Did you notice that? No, I didn't know. So I have to go oh, back man. and take a look for it because yeah, I'm go probably going to rewatch it this week. Oh yeah, it's week. so quick. Like you just see this. Like sm- she's about to like burst out laughing right there, and it just—it's <laughs> half of her face. You can barely see it, but so quick. But I was like, "How did that make it in?" I have no idea. 
It's <laughs> awesome. I yeah. I do want to give another shout out real quick to Brian Tyree Henry who played Bernie Hayes. He did that manic uh, <laughs> paranoia, just that whole thing really well. And he yeah. actually sold that. It was almost like this ham fisted moment of him having a wife uh, who had uh, yeah oh yeah and having that treasure. It, it, it's it's a ham fisted moment, but he actually it sells it well enough yeah. with his acting that I. I immediately go from, oh, this is cheesy. I'm like, oh, no, this actually kind of works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, for sure. What about your uh, standout effect award? Mine is just Hollow Earth. Um, <laughs> and I think the entry into Hollow Earth, if, if you want me to be very specific, um, you can just tell how much fun the design team had with this idea, right? Right. And the idea is berserk and bonkers. I mean, we get Godzilla... <laughs> firing his atomic breath into hollow earth. I mean, it's insane, right? Um, but there's that distinct visual flair, that like mirror, that's that gravitational mirror that's so unique and interesting. I, I found it quite enjoyable. You know, you want to talk about, uh, if Scorsese wants to talk about theme park rides, right? That entry into hollow earth is a theme park ride Oh, and man. just the right kind of theme park ride. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit uh, in our next award. But yeah, there, it really is. Um, <laughs> what about you, man? What about your standout effect award? It's kind of like you said. You picked like a giant sequence kind of. Um, uh-huh. I'm the same. It's Hong Kong or maybe even just Mecha G. We could just focus <laughs> on Mecha Godzilla. Yeah, what would you think of Mecha Godzilla, man? He is awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I think they could have maybe worked. If, if, I, if I'm talking about design, I think he looks great. I think they could have fixed the head just a little bit to yeah, make it a little I, more menacing. I'm not a huge fan of the Mechagodzilla design, to be honest. Ah. I think the powers that he or it exhibits are awesome. Right? Oh, so I awesome. think the laser beam breath is awesome. Uh, that clash of the atomic breath and, and Mechagodzilla's laser breath is fantastic uh, yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sold it's, on the design it's a little cartoonish in my opinion uh, my only problem with the design is the face uh yeah. it needs to be i wanted it to almost be a little more jagged instead yeah. it, it's almost like a soft uh godzilla head and you know it is mm. mecha godzilla i get it but it's just kind of the the edges are a little soft on the head. I feel like they should be more jagged and so it's just a little sharper. And I think I'd be okay to be with it. But yeah. I, I'll make a G the movement of it. Like when you find out he can use rockets to navigate any of Godzilla's attacks and then also use it to power up a punch or something like that. Yeah, man, awesome. it's been designed to destroy Godzilla. Like yes. that, that's, it's been designed in that sort of way. I, I like a Mecha Godzilla. Again, this is just a preference. I like a Mecha Godzilla that is almost a mockery of Godzilla's design, right? Um, and this feels yeah. like a little bit too otherworldly in a sense, but I understand why people like it for now, sure. Now, <laughs> we, we, we haven't mentioned how awesome Hong Kong is during the Godzilla versus Kong fight. Yeah. Because, oh, that's gorgeous. This is gorgeous. <laughs> the colors definitely pop there for sure. This is like, um, I mm. don't know, what's a good comparison? 
to Rim. another well, Godzilla. Pacific Rim is probably the closest thing. Oh yeah, like right? the Pacific Rim city yes. scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that was uh, oh, I'm forgetting what city that was. It was in China. Oh, was that, wait, was that also Hong Kong? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Oh, boy. But yeah, that's the closest for sure. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> uh, just just awesome. Uh, it I was really it. cool. For sure. Now, what about? Oh, well, yeah. What about your? Oh, that's a good shot award. Yeah. Uh, so, so mine is during the carrier scene. Um, there's a shot. It's like the cockpit cam of one mm-hmm. of the fighter jets. <laughs> it's the plane that's taking off from the carrier as like the carrier is like leaning up. The, the plane actually takes off from the carrier and you see Kong in the rear view of this <laughs> cockpit cam shot. Yeah. And it's just really cool. Like, that's you, really imaginative. Um, I, I really like those scenes uh, there on the carrier, even if they do have anime physics, as Kyoitoshi would say. Did you see what his helmet said when he took off? Oh, no, I didn't. What did it say? It says Harada on his head. Oh, interesting. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That is cool. What, what about you, man? Uh, yeah, I, mine had to be the corkscrew shot of Nathan and the team exiting Hollow Earth, driving oh. by <laughs> Kong's face around a nuclear blast through a building, and then past Godzilla's Godzilla. Head. <laughs> oh man, I almost chose that one. Yeah, Dude, that was really they, cool. They they had some really fun camera work in this yeah. film. Like they really wanted to try some unique things that. I just I applaud them for it. Like you tried to do something different, even though I'm sure half the people watching got completely disoriented. Oh man! You at least gave it a shot, and for me, they worked. That was a wild scene. Now it wasn't like it wasn't like a one take sort of shot, Uh, and of course, it was probably mostly computer. Yeah, it's entirely (laughs) computer. <laughs> it's entirely computer. Uh, so I mean, there is that, but the imagination behind that shot was something else. I, I really like that as well. Yeah. All right, Alex. Let's get into then our rating and ranking. We have Oof. several different rankings to consider here when talking about this film, right? We've yeah, got sure our do. Godzilla ranking, going back to our Godzilla series. We have our King Kong ranking, and we have our MonsterVerse ranking, which we haven't necessarily talked about yet, um, but I want to hear your take on it as well. Um, do you want me to go first, or would you yeah. prefer to go first? Go ahead and go first. Okay. So so here's what I think. I think Godzilla vs. Kong is essentially a Kong movie, because it is Kong's story, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's mostly a visual film with an absolutely off-the-wall plot. I mean, you need to think Godzilla versus King Ghidorah levels of, of absurdity here, right? Right. And characters who, despite having clear motivations, they don't develop in particularly meaningful ways. Even Gia, as I've said before, she's arguably the most important character here besides Kong. I think she's hardly more than a reflection of Kong's own character and story. But again, mm. this is okay. Um, for me, this film didn't need to present a literary message or deliver on nuanced political discussions, right? Most Godzilla films, I would argue, do not. Uh, But that doesn't mean that they can't succeed in their own ways. So if I take this film for what it is, I think it delivers a lot of what audiences want to see. It doesn't embody the best of the genre and what the genre can be, but it still gives me enough to stir my imagination. Essentially, 
when I'm thinking about my main critiques of this film, which I've already mentioned in the episode, uh, I focus more on what I wish the film could or would do rather than what it does wrong. I think about things like Ren Sarazawa's character, Godzilla's characterization, Gia's development, the Eevee tribe's downfall, which we haven't even mentioned, right? These critiques are based off primarily what I want and aren't judging the film on what it actually is, which is a lightning-paced, no-holds-barred, giant monster slugfest. And at this, (laughs) it succeeds, right? Uh, You heard Theo give it a, what was it, a a 10,000 out of 10 or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I think that's a good, yeah, that's a good estimate. (laughs) 10,000 out of 10. And so that that probably bumps it up a half star for me. I'm thinking this is a three and a half out of five for me. Um, And so where that ranks for me out of G films, out of Godzilla films, it's currently 16th on my list, (laughs) which in context is right above King of the Monsters, actually. Um, out of King Kong films, this is number five on my list, which is definitely mm. below the original King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, they, oh man, yeah. I forgot that's yeah. on, that's in the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, to me, it's, it's below King Kong versus Godzilla. You um, had my draw hit the ground and then I forgot about that movie. It's below yeah. the original. It's below 2005 King Kong. Um, yeah, it, it's number five. On the list. And it's below, and then, it's below Skull Island as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, and that brings me to my MonsterVerse rating. Um, it's number two on my MonsterVerse rating um, behind Skull Island. So Skull Island is number one. This was number two. Uh, King of the Monsters is number three. And then I, I know I, I get a lot of hate for this one, but, but 2014 is my least favorite of the MonsterVerse films. So well, it's number two. Hmm. Uh, I, I like this film. Uh, I think it does a lot right. And I think my rating and rankings reflect that. But what about you, man? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's one of the things that I keep saying about to myself about this film is I need to judge the film on what it is. Like, am I disappointed that Ray Sirizawa's story is non-existent? Y- yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> right? But the way the film is edited, I shouldn't know that's not something I should really even be thinking about, right? The way yeah. the film's edited. I only know that he's Sirizawa's son because I read it and because I'm part of this community. In the in the context of the film, he's just like this kind of casual henchman. And yeah. that's okay, right? It's okay to have this casual henchman. N- having background knowledge really shouldn't affect my viewing of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any casual viewer will realize that connection. Mm-hmm. And my only real critique of the film, and this spans several critiques of the film, I guess, is that there are plot points that are glazed over so much that it feels like there are a ton of plot yeah. holes. And yes, there are some plot holes, but we're, the during my second viewing, a lot of my issues with the film were actually kind of smoothed over because I was like, oh, wait, they actually did address this. But... They did it in a quarter of one line of dialogue, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and it's it's something that is an answer to a big question. And that is not sub- sufficient enough to not bother me. That being said, the movie is tight. It mm-hmm. gives a bunch of fun characters that have very clear personalities and motivations. Plus, Kong is more of a character than what he has ever been. And sorry, 2005, like y- you never itched your butt in the morning. 
so I can't relate. <laughs> right? Plus, plus, we get a solid film with an appropriate soundtrack that highlights incredible action scenes. A Godzilla who is more menacing than ever, and a Mecha Godzilla who is believably superior to Godzilla. Yeah. I mean, Hong Kong is one of the all-time great action sequences. I have mm. no doubt about that. But for me, this film is a 3.5 out of 5. Nice. 3.5. That's actually lower than I expected. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've praised it a lot. And it, my mentions in my rev- my final thoughts is that the plot issues do bother me. And yeah. even if they did get smoothed out, I don't think that's enough because I just watched it a couple nights ago with my wife and my dad and they both had some similar questions like, oh, how did that energy, how did they get the energy up there? And it's like, oh, turns out there's half a line of dialogue that he says, oh, we can fabricate it now. Now that they've scanned it, they can fabricate it. And it's like, that's not enough. I need more. And then, there's, and then it's like, why is Godzilla blowing uh, his atomic breath into the ground? And so there's a lot of these questions that nag at me that eat away at a higher rating for me for this. I got you. Yeah, yeah, so out of G films, this is actually landing probably in my top 10. Hmm. Um, it'll be at the lower half. I've got a lot of favorites over it. As for the ranking of Kong films, this will be at number five, like you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've got Skull Island at the top, I think, or 05, I can't remember. I've got 05 Skull Island. Skull Island was your top. You gave that a five out of five. Yeah, yeah, I did. I think I gave I gave O five. Did I give O five a five out of five? I can't remember, but I gave Skull Island O five, the original, King Kong vs. Godzilla are above it. And then out of the Monsterverse is actually my third in the Monsterverse. Uh with King of the Monsters. um, With Skull Island at number one, King of the Monsters above it, just by a smidge. Yeah. And then um this and then 2014 is my least favorite. Really, that's interesting. I th- well, based off your rating, I, uh, this should be your least favorite. I think because I think you gave, uh, I think you gave 2014 four out of five stars. Yes, I did. Because, <laughs> but here's here's the thing: is this is a more fun movie for me to watch, and mm. I'm going to you can, you can see yourself one. picking this film up. Uh, quicker to rewatch the 2014. Yeah. And, and, and this is one where, again, my rating is just hampered by some plot issues for me, um, yeah. where I'm still scratching my head over a few questions that I have. Yeah. But the overall fun of it, the, this is a 7.5 that if it was a fun rating would probably be a nine, but I do have to acknowledge that these 4. issues, 5, but yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> but I do have to acknowledge that these issues exist and they could be a real problem for a lot of people. And they, yeah, they, they, na- they do nag at me a bit. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I get it. All right, man. Cool. Well, next week, what we're actually going to do is is I, I get we get tired of hearing our own voices every once in a while. So we're, we're going to have another uh, Godzilla versus Kong discussion, but really we're going to feature the voices of people from this community um, that that I think are just awesome contributors um, to the Godzilla community overall, and have some great things to say. 
about this film. So next week we'll have our GVK panel to kind of wrap up our uh, GVK discussions. And then after that, we're returning to Pacific Rim to discuss season one now of Pacific Rim, the black, because season two has been confirmed. Alex, Alex, did you, yeah, I know. Did you, uh, come up with a rhyme for Pacific Rim, the black? I did not, but black is pretty easy to rhyme with. Um, so, um, okay. Uh, yeah. So up next, we got Pacific Rim, the black, is it whack or does it make your lips want to smack? <laughs> <laughs> mine is mine is not much better, and I actually thought about it a little bit beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> will we track with Pacific Rim the Black, or will it get flack for being out of whack? That's not this bad. Rhyme shows, this rhyme shows I'm a hack, but hey, a lot rhymes with black. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh, man. All right, man. Anything else before we sign off? No, uh, I think I. But I think I'm gonna go watch GVK again here in about a week. <laughs> yeah, pro- I'll give myself a week, and then I may watch parts of it again for sure. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore Pod. On Letterbox, you can find those uh, ratings at Eric Neely and Alex Cornett. Um, You can email us, nvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at nvmpod.com. You can support us at Patreon and get access to that uh, conversation I had with Chris over at patreon.com slash nvmpod. You'll receive that episode and weekly bonus episodes, and you'll be a bargain basement. uh, What do you call them, Alex? (laughs) Bargain base mites. Yeah, a bargain base mite for life. (laughs) (laughs) And if you feel so led, leave us a review over on iTunes. Those reviews really help boost the show. Monster vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basir and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try to to stay alive. alive. It's just so big. It's so stupid.